0: I love people taking these liberties and figuring out new ways to tell old stories so that we can connect to them in ever shifting ways. I just, I just love it.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Miss Shelved, your biweekly dose of bookstore love. I'm your host, Nicole Brinkley, so excited about this episode, which I feel like I say every episode, but that doesn't make it any less true. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. Every two weeks, I introduce you to an independent bookseller in conversation with an author they love. This week's independent bookseller is Kelly from Mysterious Galaxy.
2: My name is Kelly, and I'm the manager of Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore, a genre bookstore that focuses on science fiction, fantasy, mystery,
1: and horror in San Diego, California. Mysterious Galaxy is one of my favorite bookstores I've never been to. Kelly is in conversation with the only author to write both a Frankenstein reimagining and a Vlad the Impaler reimagining that I both loved. It's Kirsten White. Hi, I'm Kirsten White, the New York Times bestselling author of many, many books. Settle in as these two talk about the magic of middle grade novels, the power of independent bookstores to connect authors to books they love, and, of course, Star Wars.
2: Hi, Kristen. How are you doing? I'm so good. How are you? So good. It's been just so long since I have heard your voice. I think it's been about a week.
0: <laughs> and I think that says a lot about our relationship, right? Like, yes.
2: Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your relationship to the bookstore, the bookstore I manage, Mysterious Galaxy, because you're one of our most dedicated and popular authors here. And I love talking and hearing about uh, the connection between authors and their local bookstores because it just can have such a powerful impact for the community. And you're such a shining example of that. For any of you who might not know, which might be many of you, since you are probably not located in Southern California. (laughs) Kirsten, you go way back with Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore. Uh, When were you first introduced to us? And do you remember like early days shopping with us?
0: Yeah, so I, my first book came out in 2010. And that was when I kind of started figuring out like independent bookstores and bookstores in my region. And it's been really fascinating over the course of my career. Like, I don't know if I did any early events with Mysterious Galaxy, but it's been amazing as my career has progressed over the last, you know, decade plus, watching the way that Mysterious Galaxy is just such a vital part of the community and the way you've built up that community and networked with readers and really provided this space. The events have gotten bigger and better. And like, I love doing events at Mysterious Galaxy mm-hmm. because you'll always have new people right but then you've got your core group and it's oh yeah it's amazing seeing the impact that an independent bookstore can have on the community just by providing that space where people can convene because we all love the same thing right like we love books
2: yeah I like to tell everybody like because I started working here in 2014 so Mm -hmm. I've seen uh people become like casual fans of yours to be be like super fans which is so awesome and I've seen people at events your events and other author events who become really good friends just because they happen to be here and in the same line meeting their favorite author and that is one of the coolest things getting to work at an independent bookstore and seeing those connections happen not just between the author and the reader but the readers between each other Um, and I've, I've definitely seen that
0: Yeah, yeah. And and that's one of the things you guys are so good at is facilitating connections. Like I was telling you this before, but Rob is your horror expert at the store, right? And a few years ago, like, well, several years ago, I was kind of like a horror newbie, right? It wasn't a genre that I felt I was allowed to read growing up. And so once, you know, I was fully claiming myself as an adult, I was like, you know what? I like horror. I want to read all of it. And so every time I came for an event at the store, I'd say to Rob, load me up. I want all of your horror recommendations. And he'd bring me a sack of like 10 books. And he'd be like, this one is great because of this. <laughs> this author is really intriguing. This is a great short story collection. So which, which one are you interested in? And I was like, I will take them all. <laughs> um, I, I joked that... Uh, It's a good thing that I have good events at the store because I never can walk out without spending at least $100. I can Um, attest to that. Yeah, which I don't mind. Um, But Rob (laughs) really provided this sort of horror primer for me. You know, the the problem with asking for horror recommendations is let's say you're on Twitter and you say, hey, I love reading horror. Does anyone have any recommendations for me? Nine out of 10 people will recommend Stephen King. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with Stephen King but if I say I love horror, guess who I already know about. Like, right, <laughs> I am not unaware of the existence of Stephen King, um, <laughs> and so it's so nice having like this dedicated expert in the store to say like, here's somebody doing really something really interesting and engaging and new. Here's someone doing really classic horror in a really fresh way. So I feel like he really introduced me. To what's being done now in horror in really cool and exciting ways and that had a huge impact on my career you have a horror book coming out this year yeah, yeah. so i had the dark descent of elizabeth frankenstein that came out a couple of years ago and that's very heavily horror influenced um, it actually won a brand stoker award for horror in white literature and then hide my adult debut book which comes out may 24th is also a horror thriller and, and I, you know, I, as soon as I get arcs, one of them is Rob's because <laughs> he was actually the first person that I told I was mm-hmm. thinking about writing an adult horror novel because I know he cares and I know he's an expert and, yeah. and yeah, it's just so fun to me that you not only have you guys supported my career in hosting events and hand selling my books, but you've also supported my career in Helping me branch out in what I read and what I can access, and giving me insight into this is what we're loving on our shelves. I love that. And Rob's been at Mysterious Galaxy
2: for probably close to a decade at this point. And mm-hmm. I, I agree. Hearing him talk about books he loves, and he does horror, he does some science fiction. And this this is true for anyone who works at an independent bookstore. You, you know, you sell books to each other accidentally, just because you're in the same space talking to each other. And you're so darn excited about books, and you can't help but buy each other's a staff picks. And that's so magical. I love middle grade, and I love recommending books to young readers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, working here for so long at this point i have seen my middle grade readers grow up and it has been such a tremendous feeling that i can't i i've I've never really experienced before Mm -hmm. i'm sure teachers experience this all the time they see their their kids grow up um but you know recommending books to you young readers and then you know, just a few years go by and they're ready for young adult, they're ready for adult. And uh, there was one reader too that I, I couldn't wait to give him like the name of the wind and he's gonna love it. But he was like twelve. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> just wait yeah. for a few years. And it goes by so fast. And then um being part of that, you know, the the access and the ability to shape someone's reading and therefore like their lives, their inner souls, because that's, you know, mm-hmm. we bear our souls To the books that we read and they shape us and that has been such a rewarding part of working at a bookstore and being a bookseller
0: yeah for sure for sure i see something similar because my first book came out in 2010 so you know 11 12 years ago and it was a it was a young skewing ya called paranormalcy it was very fun and funny and i always joked that it was a gateway paranormal romance totally safe for like middle school bookshelves for the for the very young readers who were just starting to want to read YA but maybe weren't ready for more intense books and now I have authors that I met conferences <laughs> with who are like oh my gosh I read paranormal in junior high and it was my favorite and I'm like oh oh my gosh so cute and also wow wow right <laughs> yeah that must
2: be such a cool feeling and like surreal yeah. in a sense
0: yeah, it is. Um, but it's fun, and it's fun to get to connect with them and reach out to them because, you know, I have I have authors that influenced me when I was a younger reader that now are peers, and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's a great community. So speaking of middle grade, I wanted to pick your brain because yeah. I love middle grade. Middle grade is actually where I started out wanting to write. My very first novel was a middle grade novel, and it was terrible. Um, as middle grade is hard, it's way harder than white. It is. Is. I think it's also harder than adult. And so it took me a long time to get to the point where I could write middle grade and my first middle grade series is coming out, starting this year, the Sinister Summer series, the first book is Water Park, And I'm so, so excited about it. I was wondering, what do you see in middle grade? Like what makes kids connect to books? Like what makes them pick a yeah, book and yeah. what makes them keep going? I'm really curious because I feel like as authors, we don't necessarily see very good metrics on that. Like we can mm-hmm. see what's selling in adult. We can see, you know, what's moving in YA and follow genres and trends, but I don't know that that same thing is as a parent in middle grade. So I'm curious right, as right. a bookseller who specializes in middle grade, like what do you feel like moves those books? It's interesting
2: that you you mentioned like the trends and you know what goes on in middle grade because I feel like it does move pretty fast. That Mm -hmm. kind of like what I was saying before, like seeing my middle grade readers grow up, it happens in the blink of an eye. And that specific age range, you know, we're talking about maybe age eight to Mm -hmm. twelve, it goes by so quickly and um and there's this really important time in a kid's life. Um, I think what I, I I love middle grade. I love capturing that magic and experiencing that magic that you can only experience when you're a kid reading Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. fantasy. It's so special. I think, you know, humor goes a really long way, but so do characters. Mm -hmm. You know, Shannon Messenger is another local author here. And she does the Keeper of the Lost Cities series. And Mm -hmm. she's another author that I've seen go from, you know, people are fans but maybe not well known to just exploding and she has such a huge middle grade readership Mm -hmm. and her fans have gone with her from the start like the entire journey um i believe she's like nine books in now and at her last event this was a couple years ago at this point but she had cosplayers you know people dressed up as the characters yeah so the connections between characters go so far kids being able to see themselves on the page is tremendously valuable and the connections and heart between characters is what I think keeps middle grade and young readers coming back and having that friendship with characters even even if they're not a a real person you know Mm -hmm. they're still they're still friends you know there's still people in their life that they can return to again and again and that heart and love and even the issues that come up with friendships and like the attention and stuff like that That's all very relatable and then you know humor that's when kids their eyes light up they're so excited to tell you the joke that they learned or something funny that happened it goes so far and it is really fun it's really fun to see kids excited about characters and humor and overcoming all the obstacles which is true of so many stories
0: yeah and I think you're exactly right like those books that you connect to as a middle grade reader they become part of your makeup like they deep in your heart and it's funny because the books that i loved at that age i loved the Redwall series i was obsessed yeah. with it and i've always wanted to write like shannon messenger like the epic super long yeah. fantasy because that's what i loved reading but i find as a writer my skills are more in the humor and yeah. and in let's walk through the world as a child and point out just how absurd it is because it's really absurd <laughs> I mean, I haven't read your middle grade that's uh, going to mm-hmm. come out yet, but I mean, it's
2: it's quirky, right? It, it sounds so fun
0: and weird. Yeah.
2: and <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I pitched it as A Series of Unfortunate Events meets Scooby-Doo, because okay. I love the sort of a little bit goth sensibilities, that sort of Adam's Family type droll, dark humor, but without teeth, right? One thing that was really important to me in this series is even though these kids are navigating this super weird summer and all of these strange things are happening and there are mysteries and there's a bad guy i never wanted them in physical danger like i never wanted the sense that someone was about to hurt these children because you know i wanted to provide that fun like here's a typical summer vacation at a water park but you know the towers a lighthouse and the slides are gargoyle tongues and the bananas are mausoleums and everything is slightly off and slightly creepy. I want to go to there. Yeah, right? Me too. (laughs) Me too. Um, Write the world you want to see. But but it was important to me, you know, I I do have a middle grade reader now, I have an eight year old. I didn't ever want a situation in which you were afraid the kids were going to be hurt. Just that you were afraid that they were no longer to going to be in charge or in control or able to make their own choices. Because I think that's one of the things that's really important in middle grade is this growing sense of autonomy, right? This sense of I'm figuring out how I'm going to move through the world and how to navigate the weirdness around me without my parents necessarily okay. always there. Um, it is really sad as a mom. Like, so I have teenagers and I have an eight-year-old. And when my teenagers grew out of reading middle grade, like, it kind of broke my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad to be back there again because my teens are funny. I have a lot of people ask, like, oh, do they read your books? No. <laughs> and they actually don't read any YA at all. Did they just jump straight to adult? Straight to adult, yeah. yeah. They're the type of readers where they were like, they're trying to sound like teenagers. Um <laughs> but it's been really fun having a middle grade reader again. And what's interesting is my teens will still read the middle grade series that they loved when they were that age, like the wings of fire series. My oldest loved it. And whenever there's a new book, I go and get it because she still wants to read them. And, and it's fun. I feel like adult books are for adults. YA is for teens and adults and middle grade is for everyone. Are
2: you finding that you're getting a, more inspiration from your eight-year-old? Or is it just that you've always wanted to return to middle grade and now's your
0: chance again? I mean, he definitely is. I do refer to him as my goth cherub. He's sunshine ball of happiness who also has a room entirely decorated with skeletons. So one time we had his cousins over and, and they don't live in the same state as us, so they're not in our home very often. And they went to sleep on his floor and five minutes later, we hear they're crying. So we open up the door and my son is sitting up in his bed, giving me this, like, I don't know what's going on look. And his two cousins are crying because they're scared. Genuinely cannot understand why they are scared to be sleeping in a room entirely filled with skeletons. (laughs) Um, Fast forward to this last Halloween. I started to take some of the skeletons out of his room to decorate the rest of our house for Halloween. Not that we need much extra help. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's like, mom, don't take those. They make me feel safe at night. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's so precious is it? little golf yeah, child. It is. It is. He's always been that way. I mean, the first thing he learned how to draw, that's like a three-year-old were skeletons. He's got his aesthetic. He's always had it. Um, this surprises
2: me in, in no way, shape, yeah. or form as your, your child. <laughs>
0: Yeah. But it definitely does like inform, like, I love that, you know, kids are so individual and they have such funny interests and they are themselves from when they're born. They've just become more and more capable of expressing it. And so, yeah, it definitely, it definitely had an impact. I look at the things that he likes and the things that he enjoys reading and the things that maybe he doesn't connect with as much, but also I feel like, Every Kid is so different that I really just wrote the middle grade book that I wanted to live in, that I wanted to see, which is good because it's going to be at least a five book series and they are my favorite. They are so much fun to write. And it's been, it's been really fun writing a wide variety of things. So right now my current projects are Padawan, which is a Star Wars novel about teenage Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Um, Hyde which is adult horror thriller and a book two in that book deal not a sequel but another adult book that will also be a horror thriller and then this like funny silly goofy slightly creepy middle grade series and even though I'm like probably more busy than anyone should ever be <laughs> I just love them all so much and I'm so genuinely like psyched every day that I think about I get to work on this project today Um, I feel really lucky that I get to uh, do such a wide variety of things. Yeah. And
2: I mean, you can tell when you pick up a book and an author loves what they are doing. And I, I feel like that shines through in so many of your novels. And I'm so excited to read, I mean, all of these, honestly. Have you found that it's almost easier to jump between all of the projects because they are so different? Or do you kind of
0: find it a little bit
2: of a challenge?
0: Yeah, it just depends. Like, I I do view it as sort of a palate cleanser. Like, I've been working on something really dark and intense. And now I get to write a funny, silly, absurd middle grade book or, you know, high adventure jumping around planets having space wizard adventures with Star Wars. And it's nice because it is it is a palate cleanser. It's sort of a creative reset every time. But then I also run into the problem of okay, I need to write my next middle grade book, but my head has been in Star Wars Mm -hmm. for the last two months. And so getting my brain off of that track and onto the next track and gaining momentum on what I need to have momentum on is always my struggle. For me, starting is always the hard part. Once I can get momentum, I can do anything, but it is like pulling teeth, getting to the point where I can get my brain to actually settle on what it's supposed to be doing.
2: Yeah. I imagine that that could be definitely a challenge. I would love to hear more about your Star Wars book if you can talk about it. I know that like Star Wars, it's such a big expansive world. What can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, it's funny, it kind of goes back to the long-term thing, right? Like I've watched Mysterious Galaxy put in the time and put in the investment over the last decade that I've known this store and really just create itself as an integral part of the community. And I kind of view my career the same way. like I put things out there um, like three and a half or four years ago. I tracked down my friends who write for Star Wars and I was like, who do I need to talk to? And they told me. And so I had my agent set up a call and I had a call with the Star Wars people. And I was like, Hey, I have an outline for a Kyle Ren novel. <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay. I was like, oh. You know, I just did that for fun. Um, mm-hmm. If you ever have a Star Wars novel that you think I'd be a good fit for, I would love to do that because I love Star Wars. I've loved it since I was a little girl I, I would love to contribute to that world and they were like great we do story planning in like six month time increments mm-hmm. uh when we have something come up we think you'd be good for we'll let you know and then after I didn't hear from them for like a year and a half I was like okay well you know yeah I, I, I tried, tried. Yeah, I did yeah, yeah. Yeah. I tried I put myself out there I've done the same thing for Pokemon
2: <laughs> oh amazing
0: <laughs> I, I put myself out there it didn't work out and that's okay like that's fine. And so then this last summer, I got an email out of the blue, and it was from the Star Wars group, and they asked if I'd be interested in writing a teenage Obi Wan Kenobi novel. And I was Gosh. like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I How do you worried? say no to that? Yeah, I was so overextended already, but I was like, ah. I mean, if they had given me somebody like, you know, write a teenage General Grievous novel or something <laughs> that category, like that, I like, Mm -hmm. I don't have room for that right now. Please think of me again in the future. But when it was Tina we won, I was like, I have to do that. I have to say yes to this and I'll make it work. And so it was an interesting process. Um, So when you do work for licensed properties like Star Wars, or I've also done Buffy in the past, sometimes what they do is they say, hey, we need this story told. Here's the pitch. Here's Mm -hmm. the outline. Will you write it? or they have you audition based on the information that they give you. But in this case, and and in a similar case with my Buffy series, Slayer and Chosen, it was very much a, this is the time period that we want. We want Kenobi story, go.
2: Wow. (laughs) Which
0: which was pretty amazing, but also like really terrifying. So daunting, right? So daunting because I love Star Wars. It is all over my storyteller DNA. I have watched movie since I was a little girl I wrote about them in my journal in middle school oh like gosh. they were you know they were a huge huge deal to me and so getting to play in that universe and getting to write a chapter of you know the greatest Jedi I'll say it I'm biased I don't have <laughs> that, um was no arguments really- for me Yeah, it was so exciting and so daunting because I know how much it means to me and I know how much it means to other people, right? And sometimes I get afraid. I'm like, you know, my brain is all vibes, no details. And and the encyclopedic knowledge that so many fans have of the Star Wars universe is amazing. And it is not the way my brain works or engages with story. Mm -hmm. My brain is like, I liked the way this made me feel. So how can I capture that feeling in a new story? I really okay. like that. All vibes, no details.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's, that describes a lot of what, I mean, I, you know, I love my Lord of the Rings. I love my Tolkien mm-hmm. um, and I know a lot of details, but like, I mean, if I'm out of it, if I haven't read Lord of the Rings in a few years, well, really the Silmarillion, I'm like, oh yeah, wait, wait, yes. I, I remember who she is. And, you know, but it's the vibe. It's what sticks yeah. with you. I, yeah. I I totally think the same with when it comes to Star Wars because it is so expansive.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I just really worked hard on recreating the way that Star Wars makes me feel. And I think that that's why people love it, right? Because it's exciting and it's fun and it's an escape. And so, yeah, it was awesome research, obviously, rewatching Star Wars movies, <laughs> and re-watching my favorite Clone Wars episodes, and reading any novel that is still canon that includes Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never a bad day when Claudia Gray is your research material. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I wrote it. And, well, first I had to pitch the idea. And I have strong feelings about pitching. If they're letting me pitch, mm-hmm. I'm going to come in with a very focused, very strong pitch because I want to—I want to I wanna be the driver, right? I want to drive mm-hmm. the narrative. I want to—I want to focus it on what I want to focus it on. And they were great to work with. It was really fun saying, like, you know, this is what I want to do. This is why I want to do it. This is why I feel like this is the right story to tell with Teeny, Joey, One, Kenobi, where it's essentially a bottle episode because we can't have anything happen that's too big that wouldn't make sense for it not to ever be addressed in future stories about Obi-Wan Kenobi. But we also need to be big enough to justify having a book about it. And so I came up with the concept, I pitched it to them. They were like, this is great please don't use this detail, this detail, or this detail. We can't tell you why. And I was like, (laughs) awesome. I don't want to know why. (laughs) Um, People are always like, oh, do you know any details about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series? And I was like, no, and I don't want to. I want to sit down and I want to just experience it. I'm so excited for it. But yeah, so writing novels in existing universes is always different than first drafting my own things. Because when I'm first drafting my own things, I'm just purely chasing the story high for myself. And when I'm writing in existing universes, there is always that sense of responsibility, right? That this is a world that already means so much to so many people, and I have to do right by it. So there are a lot more pressure. So I have a question. Yes. Will you be watching the Obi-Wan show? Oh, yeah. Uh, I I will be there with bells on. I have nothing to do with it. it. It takes place many, many years after my novel. My novel is when he's a teenager, just after he started his apprenticeship with Qui-Gon And so I, I will 100% get to enjoy it as a fan. Although I will say, I'm like so possessive of Obi-Wan now. Not in a sense of like, how could they do that to that character? But in a sense of like, he's the greatest Jedi. If you criticize Obi-Wan, <laughs> we're not friends anymore. It's the same way I feel about like Elizabeth Lavenza from Frankenstein or even mm-hmm. Mary Shelley. I'm like, no, Mary Shelley is my girl. Yep. You do not get to credit criticize- Someone else with inventing science fiction. In New York Times. Yeah, I get very possessive of these characters that I get to work with. And yeah, I'm so, so excited for the series. And that's another nice thing about writing in Star Wars is it's so expansive that it doesn't feel like doing homework. Like right now watching yeah. the bubble pet series, it doesn't feel like I'm doing homework. It doesn't feel like, no. Oh no, this is work time. Like last time that I went to galaxy's edge and Disneyland, my spouse was like, does it feel like you're doing work? And I'm like, this never feels like work. <laughs> I mean,
2: I'm not doing homework. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, gosh, talk about vibes like the Mandalorian. I mean, what they've done so well in those shows. I mean, a lot of things, but one of the mm-hmm. things is just purely, the vibes the way that they utilize sound and the absence of it and like character talking and you know the lack of conversation between characters means so much it is has such aesthetically the vibes it it sets it all up and you have this overall feeling when you're watching those shows I mean Mm -hmm. you have that feeling in Star Wars itself but in those shows particularly the soundtrack I mean in Mandalorian you don't even see his face right and yet you feel what he feels and you experience the world in this really unique way and I think the show's do so well with that. And you could just, as a writer, I'm sure that you could just pick up on those vibes and like, you can't help, but like maybe take c- certain aspects and, and incorporate yeah. them into your novels.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I, I do. I want to capture that feeling. And, you know, I've had people ask me like, oh, what did you think of this movie? Or, oh, what did you think of this one? And honestly, my answer is, and I can say this very sincerely, I love them all. Like, as a storyteller, yeah, maybe I could pick apart some plot threads or details or whatever. But, but in the end, you know, I sit down, to watch Star Wars and I want to have fun and I want to be excited and it always delivers and so yeah it's it's been it's been really fun the new content that we're getting but I feel like also it's just kind of an amazing era for television in general you know I watch a lot of tv (laughs) I have a lot of people be like oh do you ever watch anything in your free time I'm like oh I always watch (laughs) everything um I once heard an author and you know this is not uncommon say like oh well part of how i write is i don't watch any tv and and i felt bad i was like you were missing out on so much amazing storytelling mm-hmm. there's incredible storytelling happening right now um so what what have you been watching lately i got to know yeah so we just finished dickinson it's on Ooh, apple tv so good so good and I read an article criticizing Dickinson and the Great specifically for putting modern sensibilities onto historical figures and events. And I really disagree with that. Um, I understand where they were coming from. But I feel like when you make historical TV and you make it so inaccessible, right, Mm -hmm. so rooted in the time period it's hard for people to make those parallels, like to draw yes. those lines between what those characters or what those actual people experienced and what we're experiencing. Yes, Whereas when you have Dickinson and they're in the middle of the civil war and the young 20 somethings are sitting around complaining about it and Lavinia says the civil war ruins everything. <laughs> you're like, okay. That's so selfish and so trite, but also like, how many 20-somethings and let's admit it, 30-somethings feel the same way about the pandemic we're in right now. The pandemic ruins everything. And and when they have their house parties, instead of having like the super high-class literary salons in order to convey the same sense of what that would be in our time, they have like these epic ragers, right? Where everybody's getting super drunk and like having a great time and the bass is playing really low, which is so silly, but also... I feel like says this is what this would have been, right? Yeah. And it allows you to connect with those characters and with that time period in a really interesting and really engaging way. And I feel the same way about The Great, which is on Hulu. It's about Catherine the Great, and I mean, first of all, the actors are phenomenal. Nicholas Holt should win every award possible <laughs> because in one moment you're like he needs to die, he's reprehensible, and the next moment you're like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> It's amazing. And it's the same thing where it's very anachronistic. It's very silly. It's very over the top. But it manages to do really, really interesting things and tell the story in a way where you feel like you understand who these figures were in history and how they made the impact that they did. Um, And I love that. I love people taking these liberties and figuring out new ways to tell old stories so that we can connect to them in ever-shifting ways. I just... I just love it. Yeah, I haven't seen The Great, but I
2: I have been watching Dickinson. And I, I'm still in season one, but I, I completely agree with everything you're saying. And I don't think I would have always because I think I mm-hmm. would have been more snobby about it at, you know, in yeah. college or something like that. Yeah. But I went in with it to it without knowing anything, just knowing that it was about Emily Dickinson. You know, I did not expect, uh, like, modern music and, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, modern vernacular and um, and that sort of thing. And as soon as I think one of them, you know, curses or something, and you're like, oh, oh okay, it, all right, this is, like, how we would talk. Yeah. And it took about two seconds to get used to it. And then I just immediately fell in love because it does make these historical figures and these big historical movements they make it so much more accessible and relatable. There's one scene where it's, you know, it's a party and they're like, they're doing something, maybe some drugs. Um, <laughs> and it just resembles a high school party, yet they're not dressed at all like we would be. But there's a moment where it, it kind of pans out and if they're dancing. They're these kind of historical dances that, you know, we don't really do anymore. But it's modern music. Yeah. Um, and. It's, it stays on there. It doesn't just cut cut out and it, it doesn't, you know, the episode doesn't end. It just, it stays on them. And then the dancing transforms from kind of an unrelatable kind of slow dancing that we see in the, tip, in the typical time period to modern dancing. And mm-hmm. we've got the modern music and the connection of that and how they weaved that, you know, sort of maybe unrelatable thing to a very, very modern and
0: accessible yeah, well, and I feel like that brings us kind of full circle, especially to what you were saying about about middle grade. Is what do we need? We need characters that we can connect to. We need we need to have those recognizable elements that we see ourselves in, and you know that's our way in. And then the humor, and I feel like Dickinson has that, and and so many stories have that. And I feel like finding ways to connect to stories as a writer, as a reader, as booksellers, like it's just finding that way in, finding the right way in for the right person mm-hmm. and then opening up an entire world of story and character that they didn't have before. And it's magic. It always feels like magic to me. It still feels like magic to me. Like okay. I, I this this year I'll have books, 19, 20, 21 and 22 come out <laughs> <laughs> um, I will write 23 24 and 25 and it still feels like magic it still feels like magic to get to tell stories for a living it feels like magic to get to have my peers as other authors as booksellers and as people who just love story as much as I do it's a tremendous privilege and I got the sense that you feel the same way like getting to connect with people on a story level whether it's as a writer or a bookseller um finding the right story for the right person is it's amazing it's yeah. always amazing and it never gets old.
2: Being a bookseller is probably the closest thing I'll be to being a wizard and and having a source <laughs> of magic. I- Right,
0: right? yeah.
2: Yeah, I <laughs> completely agree.
0: Yeah. And I also want to plug um, Mysterious Galaxy has such a great reputation among authors and not even just local authors, like nationally, internationally. Authors love Mysterious Galaxy because you guys are incredible at building community. You're incredible at outreach. Um, you're just you're just an amazing store. So if you have your eye on getting some signed books. Mysterious Galaxy's website has a section for signed books. They've got a lot of books from a variety of authors who have done events there or who are going to be doing events there. Um, so if signed books are your jam, Mysterious Galaxy has a really fun selection. But yeah, I feel really lucky. I feel really lucky to have such a long standing relationship. With such an incredible independent bookstore, I feel like you guys are a genuine part of my career. And I love it. I love having that connection to, you know, my local reading community through the best booksellers in San Diego. I, I do <laughs> love independent bookstores everywhere. Um, I, you know, I, I try not to be too biased, but I feel that, I feel like any independent bookstore, if you have an independent bookstore in your area, they're going to be your bookstore. Yeah. If you just go in there and ask for a recommendation, they will hook you up in a way that will change your life. I speak from it. (laughs) Yeah. And I will say I have um, all my releases coming out this year that I've talked about. I have Hide, May 24th, which is my adult debut, which is a thriller slash horror novel set in an abandoned amusement park where 14 desperate people compete in a game of hide and seek. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I have my middle grade series debut, Sinister Summer Wretched Water Park, about the sinister Winterbottom twins going on the weirdest summer vacation of their lives. And then I have Star Wars Padawan, which is about teenage Obi Wan Kenobi, coming out in July. If you order any of them through Mysterious Galaxy, I will always go in person and sign and personalize your books. So, Kelly, where can people find Mysterious Galaxy online? We are everywhere. All of our social media handles are the same,
2: which makes it hopefully somewhat easy. At okay. Mist Galaxy Books, uh, we are on Instagram, <laughs> YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and then online www.mistgalaxy.com. And awesome. where can
0: where can we find you? So my website is www.kirstenwhite.com. I'm on Twitter at Kirsten White and I'm on Instagram at author Kirsten White because I did not get that one early enough. And I actually met the Kirsten White who has Kirsten White on Instagram. Really? Yeah, she came to one of my book events. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. Darling. I didn't didn't ask her to give it to me because I was like, you you earned it, Kirsten White. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having us on the podcast today. Thank you to everyone who's listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope that you are finding stories that are giving you escape and comfort and delight
1: in these very strange times. And so another episode comes to a close. Thank you to Kelly and Kirsten for taking the time. I know a lot of Star Wars fans loved those behind the scenes details on how people are hired, but I really loved the middle grade conversation. Kidlet love always warms my heart. You know the drill. Like, subscribe, leave a review, all that good stuff. Don't forget to check out our new mini-sodes with recommendations from independent booksellers. And if you want even more bookstore content, we're doing a Bookstore of the Day series on our Twitter page at Pod. Thank you all so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading.